Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 15. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, we continue in our sermon series, um, God's Reasons Why. As in why God sent his son Jesus to live and die and resurrect. Today, God's reasons why are children. Children. That three things I hope we see today. Jesus lived, died, and rose for Rose for our children, number one, for our childhood, and finally for our childlikeness. Our children, our childhood, and our childlikeness. So uh, we pick up this passage here, and Jesus has been going around with crowds of people, following him, seeking blessing and healing, and teaching about the kingdom. But the Bible tells us here that Jesus' disciples were rebuking. That that's telling people, no, what are you doing? What are you thinking? When they bring infants and children to Jesus to be touched. And Jesus says to his disciples, like a, a teaching moment, if you will. A teaching moment in which he lays down a basic for Christianity and Christian ministry. He says, do not hinder them. Do not hinder the children. And the list for what do not hinder can mean, as I looked at the language here, is like an exhaustive description. Child abuse, injustice, and neglect. Listen to what hinder means from the original language and what Jesus is telling his followers not to do when it comes to him. He's saying, do not hinder. In other words, do not send away. Do not bid going away. Do not make them depart. Do not send them forth. Yield up, expire, let go. Do not let them alone. Let them be. Do not disregard or leave or omit or neglect or remit or give up or, or keep no longer or give up to any other person. Do not leave them. Do not order them to go to another place. Do not depart from one and, and leave the person to himself so that all mutual claims are abandoned, right? Don't desert wrongfully. Don't go away leaving them behind leave, or leave one by not taking him as a companion or, or person in your fi family. Don't leave them dying. Don't leave behind one. Don't leave so that what is left may remain. Leave Remaining, do not abandon, do not leave destitute. That definition description list is what Jesus came to deal with and redeem our children from. Then it is clear that Jesus was sent for our children because no matter how young or cute they may be, they are dealing with sin and brokenness too. Verse 15 says that People, 
The, the word here is even brought their infants. It might be best to interpret the word even as also, which meant the children or infants were, were brought like those who were sick and broken by sin, who, who not only need, were hoping to get heaven's favor and blessing, but get, get this, but needed Jesus' power to change and save them in and from a broken world. Our children, this passage is teaching, are of no exception. They not only commit sin and do wrong and, and make mistakes, but, but they have been deeply affected by sin, the Bible is teaching, and will be mistreated and abused and, and feel unloved and insecure by the world and by some of us. And Jesus came to bring the gospel. God's message and ministry of redemption for sinners, for broken people, for not only adults, but for our children too. And what makes it even more pressing is unlike adults, children are, are that much more sitting ducks, right, in, the, in this world of messed up stuff. In fact, the Bible teaches in other places that the sins and issues of us parents are put on our children of this generation that's ruling and leading and, and, and in adults. It, it affects our children that parents mess up and hurt our kids, our bad decisions, and our dysfunctions affect them. We all know that children are easily manipulated and led astray. They're most likely, as people in our world, to, to not know or see it all. As you know from TV, be easily abducted and abused and quieted and confused and, and simply hidden and closed off from life. The struggle for children, non-adults, is compounded by their, their, their sheer vulnerability to evil people in a less-than-loving world. And that sin, as we see in Scripture when it says, you know, the sins are visited upon the children, and we look at Scripture and the stories, that sin that happened in the family, the kids continue to do it or be affected by it. That the sin in the world has deep imprinting, right, long-lasting impact even into their adult years and shapes and marks how they see themselves, their world and their faith and the Lord. What am I saying the Scripture is teaching? Our children need Jesus. They need Jesus to bless them and take them and hold them and keep them and protect them, and minister to them in ways that we can't, in ways we are powerless against sin in their lives, in and of ourselves, in their world, but that Jesus has power to change and redeem and protect them from. Which means our children are needy of and, hear this, able to receive God's grace. Look at verse 15 with me. And Luke says here, now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Now in Matthew's gospel, um, when they recount this occurrence, it says that Jesus laid his hands on and prayed for the children. But Luke has a more revealing word here. The word touch means, guess what? To fasten to. Do you hear that? Not to, to adhere to, to 
fasten yourselves to, to, to bind together with someone. The, the scripture's teaching that Jesus actually bound himself and his blessing and who he was and came to do to these children. It means that Jesus was a mediator of God's covenant promises and grace. He was and is able to connect to children and bring it to them as well. That children had the right, I can't think of a better word, receptacle, if you will, the human receptacle to actually latch on to Jesus and have Jesus latch on and give grace to them. One of the hardest things I've done is try to find the right fitting um, for, for some plumbing some amateur plumbing I've done that then I had to call a real plumber in the fix. No, you got the inside thing, got the one with the threads on it, got the, the size, a three-quarter, a half-quarter, a one-and-a-half. It's crazy in there. You ever been down the aisle of the fittings? I mean, it's ridiculous. And they always have one person working it, right? Can you help me? Well, you need to bring that pipe from home to see whether it really fits, right? Like, oh, no. And I wonder why everyone has a pipe in their hand when they go in there, right? <laughs> when we look at our children, I think sometimes when we look at our children, we look at our faith, we think, are they going to fit with Christianity? Is what Jesus has to offer, is it going to connect? And I think the disciples are thinking, you don't fit in this picture, little ones. These babies, these little children, how are they going to connect to Jesus? He, he, he got the big time message. He, 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 he's the big time prophet. He's got crowds following him. And they're saying, no, whoever, if you're a human being, in this case, a child, guess what? You have a God in Christ who adheres, who connects to children in a way where they can be given his grace. Just like the adults that were brought to Jesus to be touched, some demon-possessed, sometimes deranged, sometimes they were too sick to carry themselves or too blind to find their way to Jesus and who were still able to get kingdom blessing. Jesus is saying, children, before they can make a spoken commitment, hear me now, or able to come on their own to Jesus, can be counted as potential candidates and citizens of the kingdom, at the very least, able to experience the benefits of God's grace, right? That, that somehow, those before the age of understanding are also granted entry into the kingdom and participation and counted among God's people. You look at Scripture all the time. People who were too deranged to bring themselves to Jesus. They didn't even know their name. And yet someone brought them and Jesus healed them and they grew in their identity, right? Scripture is replete with, filled with people who couldn't walk and their friends had to bring them to Jesus and Jesus had to touch them. Same with our children. They can't come. They don't, they gaga, da, da, they do all of that. They don't know. But someone has, Jesus saying, don't hinder, bring them to me. And it's, so why, it's, it's, it's why uh, the faith of parents and, and the work of the church is so important. We see this throughout Scripture, right? Children cannot and do not come on their own. This does not hinder. This do not hinder then is not just a forbidding he gives to disciples. But understand, it's a command to bring children to Jesus. 
Jesus is saying, hey, you disciples, hey, you believers, hey, you followers of me, those who have known me and my grace, you better bring those kids to me. I've got something for them too. They have an interest and inheritance in what I have accomplished as well. Man, come on, churches in Charlotte, notorious, right? Especially with your church to grow. You get a children's ministry, puppets and people dressed in suits, all kind of crazy stuff. Separate buildings, kid zone, all kind of mess, man, right? Mess, I didn't mean it in derogatory, I'm just saying stuff. Let me tell you something. You see, when they brought these children to Jesus, this was more than some little pat on the head kind of cute little kid politician kissing babies thing. The disciples rebuked them because they knew for Jesus to bless was a serious thing. That Jesus was saying something really heavy if he said, yes, children too. This is a major reason why we as as a Presbyterian church believe in infant baptism along with believer baptisms. We believe Jesus can adhere the grace of his benefits to a child brought, as we see in this passage, by a believing parent. That children are offered the highest sign of God's grace and work in their lives, water baptism. That their lives are adhered and attached to the power of the Holy Spirit through the faith of a parent bringing them who believes in Jesus and those children grow in the knowledge of grace. It's the only way any of us ever come into the kingdom, right? Even if you are baptized as adults, unless we are actually brought by the Holy Spirit. And guess what? By the faithful ministry of someone who believes and brings it to us or brings us to Jesus, guess what? You don't come into the kingdom. Someone had to bring you. You didn't show up. And Jesus is like, good job. Because you brought yourself, here's baptism. Everybody should be baptized then. Because someone did more work than you did in bringing you to the faith. When you didn't want Jesus, someone said, hey, man, let me tell you what's going on with the Lord. Or your parent, hey, let me tell you what's going to happen. Let me tell you about Jesus, right? Someone brought you. And when they brought you, Jesus didn't say, did someone bring you? Did someone have to bring you here? Did your parents have to bring you to Sunday school? You don't get the full benefits. I'm sorry. I only like giving benefits to those who are good enough to have brought themselves. Right? No, it doesn't work like that. I've never seen a scripture like that. Congratulations. You are worthy to receive the blessing. Never seen it. It ain't a blessing then, right? It's something. It's a, it's a purchase. And so our children's and youth ministries, right? Let me move on. Sh- should never be about sending our children away. Do you hear that? This is difficult, right? Away from being bored, right? We're not sending them away from being bored. That would be breaking what Jesus is saying, away from making too much noise in a worship service. Let me tell you, I grew up in a tradition. We didn't have no nursery, right? We had the lady on the same pew with the candy, right? Or a coloring book. We, We didn't have nursery. Let me, let me explain. So, this is going to be hard for us to understand. Nursery is not part of the necessity for there to be a church or for you to worship God. It don't happen like that. 
So we're not sending away, when we're at the children's church, we're not, we shouldn't be sending away our children for making too much noise in worship. I, I know I don't want to hear a bunch of babies crying and talking and seeing y'all walk around while I'm trying to preach. Of course I want your undivided attention. I'm selfish. I want that. Please make that baby stop being a baby, Right? What kind of parent? And we don't want them in it because we don't want to look like bad parents. They don't know how to control their child. I mean, come on, let's get real. Now, I'm not trying to say we need to get rid of our nursery. I'm not saying that. But I want you to understand, if that's what we are doing, sending their way, we are disobeying Jesus and mistreating and neglecting grace bought by Jesus for the youngest members of God's church. It must not be about sending them away from us in God's grace, but at Children's Church Time, Nursery and Youth Ministry, bringing them, right, to God's grace in order for them to be better embraced and touched by God's grace in Jesus, to give them entry in a way they, they can bet, be best all up in Jesus' arms. We leaders at Christ Central Church, along with you parents and also members, should be driven for our children to be touched by Jesus, held by Jesus, connected to the saving power and life and love of Jesus. Jesus at church, at home, and I'm going to say, even in the womb. I don't preach on this much. One, because it's become so politicized, but mainly because I don't want those of you who may have had an abortion to be condemned by something you have been forgiven for and can be forgiven for. Do you hear me? But it caught my attention that the word for infant here includes embryo, right? A a person in the embryonic stage of life. And though I do not believe Jesus or Luke was seeking to make a statement about unborn children, a statement can be made by what he is directly teaching for unborn children. Hear what I'm saying. That a child's life and being pro-child in the womb to the tomb is more than a political issue. It's a biblical justice issue for a child, Jesus is saying, who has a potential inheritance and who should be given and offered every opportunity to get it regardless of how sinful the world is around them. They must not be hindered from, being, from coming to him. They must be hindered, not be hindered from being brought into this world as a person who was never just a fetus, but a child who is a potential recipient of God's grace to be touched and blessed by Jesus in this world, to be put into his hands, in his plan, in his care, regardless of how sinned or hard life may be with them against you, what you might think would happen. We have to actually say, hey, look, things are tough if I bring this child in the world. Things are going to be hard for this person, but death Guess what? Jesus is there to grab them and hold them and keep them in ways I don't know. Some of us in this church have figured out that Jesus is even saying we need to be parents for and to the world, children of the world, right? In this church, I mean, we could just be doing it because it's the sort of thing all churches in our age do or a lot of you millennials think is cool to do. Did you know that all the reading programs that we involved in and mentoring at schools and all that kind of stuff, I hate to make it, you know, 
not cool anymore, but it sounds a lot like what Jesus is saying here, right? What makes you think that the benefits and mercy of God's kingdom doesn't include, right, care, education, love, companionship that is offered through things like reading programs and mentoring programs and, and, and child advocate uh, teams and committees and all the kind of stuff you guys are involved in. At this church, we have people who have an adoption agency. Many of you have adopted children. Some of you have gone overseas to orphanages to find children and bring them back here. You've been a parent to the world, not because of the cool thing you do. You know, cool thing hipsters do. Not because it's a conscious thing to do. Because it's a biblical call by Jesus not to hinder children from coming and receiving the benefits that you as believers know you have. So grace for our children from the womb to the tomb, right? So it also means for those of us who are more distant from our children than ever, you know when that is? When they become middle schoolers and high schoolers. In some college, college people ain't adults yet, quite yet. They're in the embryonic phase of adulthood. The infant stage of adulthood, okay, y'all, I'm sorry. I'm 45, I used to be there. Let me tell you, 25 years ago, more than that, man, I thought I was an adult. If I, anyway, I had that, especially if I was in college or, or right out of high school, you kind of, maybe some of you living with your parents, some of y'all in college, and you kind of have this pseudo middle class life, and you think you're just adulting it. No, you're not, not yet. You're playing adult. You know, you got the costume on right now. That's all right. You got the body and the age for it. You can vote. You can work, die for our country, all that kind of stuff. But it ain't there yet, okay, y'all? You can't rent a car and go across state lines. It's just not time yet. All right? But our middle schoolers and high schoolers in particular, you know, as a parent, of middle schoolers and high schoolers, I'm not going to embarrass y'all boys. I already asked. I can't share any stories today. Did that embarrass them? Okay, moving on. They can't sit on your lap anymore. They're too heavy. Even though I try. Move, Dad. What are you doing? Right? You, you can't put them in a baby carrier. Sometimes I want to. And take them with you. You want to put them in a stroller in the mall? We're going to go around in the mall. No, two black boys can't go around alone in the mall. No. Get in the stroller. Click. Right? You, you want to put them in a baby catastrophe and take you with them. And they are becoming and growing into adulthood. Not there yet, but going to discover their free responsibility and identity and life and personality apart from you and me as parents and guardians. Which means same thing as with unborn children. They can't... That we can't completely see or connect to them anymore. We must put them and not hinder them from being in the loving arms of Jesus. That we must, must, that we must at times, and I say this, trusting God's going to give me the faith to actually do it. Let go and let Jesus have them. That we must at times let go. 
And that's not about no longer being intentional, but we must trust that Jesus is not overlooking them. When it looks like they have really lost their minds, they have, okay? Or crazy or something, they are. That we must trust at that time that, guess what? They are tied to Jesus. They are adhered to Jesus. And our prayer lives, get this, are as much powerful to them as it, it, it put it powerful to put them in the arms of Jesus than anything else right now. That there is more power giving them over to Jesus in prayer and sharing the gospel than the world in all of its evil ways could ever have over them. So yes, let me say as your pastor, it's okay when Jesus says, bring the children to me, right? It's okay to pull the, if you're in my house, you're going to church, right? If you're in my house, you're going to youth group. I don't want to go. You're going, drop them off, make them go, right? It's right. And what Jesus commands us to do, to let them get all hindered, to not let them get all hindered from coming to Jesus, to sometimes do just what the Bible says, to at least let them get a touch from Jesus. It doesn't have to be seminary, y'all. You can do a little devotion, a little book, a little reading, scripture on the way to school. They don't look like they're listening. But you know what? Sometimes I'm like, it's some kind of, you know, spiritual thing. Imagine that. I don't feel like... It gets in there anyway. <laughs> and one day they wake up and are like, I don't know why I believe. I don't know where I'm getting this faith, but I got it. That's because of that, that Jesus force called the Holy Spirit. Read the word, go right in there. I don't care how pouty, I don't care how much your lip's sticking out. Mm, I'm not listening. I got one headphone. I know how it works. I'm looking from this side. They got the earbud on that side, right? And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, whatever. My kids aren't like that. But I'm just saying, sometimes they can be. But, and you're like, how did they come? Because Jesus is powerful. Same way for you. We got two headphones on, one called work, one called the world, entertainment. We got all kind of stuff. But somehow, even for adults, Jesus gets to us, y'all. But the point being, we believing parents are still called to bring them. And when they older, drag them to Jesus. We would never let them say, no, I'm not going to the doctor even though I have like this big issue and I'm falling apart, symptoms of some deadly disease. So we take the dangers of sin and they're being sinners seriously. And that's nonstop these days, right? I feel you. I have teenagers. Social media. Pornography. Our own busy lives. Sexual predators all over the place. Drug culture still running at an all-time high. That ain't never changed, y'all. Depression, suicide, spiritual attack are all very real. And so we bring them to Jesus like any sick and in danger of death person with the opportunity of life. But we do it confident that Jesus got this child-rearing thing for us. So my new Christian, you know, internal psychobabble counseling book that I'm subjecting myself to. I talked about it last week, so I'm all in it, y'all. It's all in me. Wholeheartedness by Chuck DeGrove talks about the lack of compassion we have on ourselves to not be perfect, right? To, to be mistake-prone. We're afraid to not be perfect. And, and that has to be true for us as parents. You're not the greatest parents. You know, we should all give ourselves a trophy, not the greatest parents trophy. <laughs> Just go ahead and admit it. Because your vision of the greatest parents 
It's condemning and it's sinful sometimes. It is not marked by the gospel. Right? It's marked by something that I don't know, it's alien. It's not realistic. So go ahead and give yourself, I'm not the greatest parent trophy. It's a trophy. You know, you need to have compassion on yourself, much less comparing what other people seem to be doing. I know you're looking at the other parents, looking at the kids act. Man, sometimes it's a game, man. The kids act right, and they look like they're doing right. I'm such a bad parent. I heard they do devotion every day. Great, try it. If you can't do it, all right. Look at your not the greatest parents trophy for a little bit, right? Keep going. You're not going to do it like other people, right? Be so comparison prone. Now, I'm not letting us off the hook when it comes down to seriously being intentional about bringing our kids to Jesus. But there's a reason we got Jesus. There's a reason why we have God's grace. Let me tell you what the trick of Satan is and sin is. The devil can make you so condemned in your parenting. It ain't the disciples saying, don't keep them away. It's you and your condemnation. So condemned to your parent that, that you inadvertently, ironically, hinder them from coming to Jesus because you think you can't do it enough or, or do it well enough or you stink at it by being overbearing some of you and living in fear to overcompensate for a lack of faith in Jesus to take the ways you have and did bring your children to him to actually work in his time. told y'all this before. Worst thing my mom could ever do to me is not hinder me from coming to Jesus, right? Sometimes I wanted her to hinder me. I don't want Jesus as a teenager. He don't play fair. He's loving, but he don't play fair. My mom would be like, if I would act up, oh my gosh, just whatever I'm doing. I was smart mouth. I was smarter than she was, you know, at uh, 16. And uh, she didn't know. She didn't understand. Mom, let me tell you how it works. I used to do my hands, too. Let me, let me tell you. I change much. She would say, I don't care what you got to say. What all of that stuff. I'm giving you to Jesus. Oh, crap. Here's the keys. One time she's like, here's the keys, Go. I'm tired. I'm not going to hold that here. I'm bringing you to Christ. You and Jesus go have a good time with whatever you want to do. He's got you. I'm like, I'm staying home. <laughs> I don't want to go out with Jesus. I don't. <laughs> I'm concerned at what Jesus would do. <laughs> But look how Jesus bridges the gap between, um, but this is not just about our children, this is about our childhood in general, and I'm going to try to keep moving, I'm taking a little longer than I should. Look look at how Jesus bridges the gap between children and adults in verse 16 and 17. He says here, um, but Jesus called them to him saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter. You know what Jesus is saying in part? I believe he is in part saying some of us come into the kingdom as children while we were young. That some of you knew the Lord and became cognizant. You, you called him Lord at a young age, and we all hope the same for our children. Right? So this is a serious time. People's faith now in their childhood equals faith in their adulthood. Right? 
But it also means that Jesus comes to redeem all the days of your life. Again, from the womb to the tomb. Then from the grave to the sky. I know, I know the song. Okay. That Jesus comes, to re- comes for our childhood as adults, right? In ways that affect us as adults. He still cares and has lordship over your earlier days too. In that way, we all come as carrying our childhood as adults with a living testimony of childhood as adults with the character of our child, right, living out in us. Jesus saying, don't hinder that from coming to me either. Now, remember the list of do not hinder? hinder? Let me just give you some of them again. Send away, go away, expire, leave alone, disregard, omit, neglect, give up, no longer, right? Leave right? To depart from, to abandon, to desert wrongfully, right? To leave them behind, to leave destitute. You know what? Some of us adults aren't just coming like children. We are coming and being brought to and being reached by Jesus with our childhood still fully intact, but hidden, destitute, covered, hear me now, not allowed to come, Stopped, hindered by our shame and grown-up responsibilities. That child in us that was neglected and abused is now being told by many of us, not you. Stay away. Stay in the past. History. Jesus doesn't care that, that we were not held or loved unconditionally. You've grown up now. Jesus don't want to hear about or deal with the sexual abuse you suffered that now has shaped you into the struggling, damaged person you are. That no, not you, little kid that was left at home for hours on end whose dad worked too much or never hugged or held you. Or maybe you were told in more ways or not that you were nothing or you were overlooked and ignored emotionally and spiritually. Who, those of you who were dying on the inside and, and suffering while mama was running after some new man. Those of you who lived in the horror of being bullied and called names and beat up or, or left out or made to feel you were in the way, you, that you were basically a drag along. Children, you felt it, adults. Would it, some of you would it meant to feel like a burden to your parent, a person who was watching you, driven some of you to be perfect. You're the golden child who had to succeed. You had this pressure of being the first one in your family to do this and that. Or maybe you went buck wild in college. Slept around, drank a lot got high, blew your academic future and money. Maybe college was the most abusive, lonely place you have ever been. And now maybe you are the family disappointment and were made to know it and and feel it as a kid. We are like the disciples and sometimes it's a church. Sometimes we call it psychobabble and says, no, we will not let the little child or your historic childhood in you that is broken and forgotten and easily forgotten, we will not allow that to come in. It's time to just grow up and get over it. Jesus saying here, don't stop that either from coming to me. As adults, bring that to, bring your childhood, bring, bring that thing that still got you like a little kid, scared and ruined and lonely. Some of you were trafficked and overworked and undernurtured, always trying to work for acceptance, hiding in the dark, right? It, just <laughs> crouching alone. Talk to a young lady who suffered in child, sacri- child trafficking. And as an adult, I mean, 
Would you? She's like really quiet. And I said, man, you are really quiet. She said to me, you know, it was the only way I could survive as a kid who was being basically trafficked. I just learned to make myself small, to hide. Dr. Bell Hooks, author, sociologist, talks about, um, describes sexual abuse suffered in particular by African-American boys in, in this particular book that goes into their, the, the African-American boys by older men as they sit around and they talk about their sexual exploits in front of each other. You ain't no boy until you get some. You're not a boy. You're not a man until you do this and that. And they talk about these adult issues. And, and she describes how this bends their character. It's the same as sexual abuse. And they grow up misogynistic or emotionally, spiritually destroyed. It can't be family men who suffered in that kind of stuff. You know, not long ago, I sat down with an almost 40-something-year-old man who was abused at 17. And I asked him as he was telling me his story. Now that he is married with children and working a job, how did you make it? He said to me, I didn't. I don't always want to live. The shame is still very much there, and I've been forgotten. Who will hear me? Who wants to deal with the broken part of a grown man who's still got some child issues? Jesus. Jesus came to hear and embrace and be joined to that broken part of your childhood. Jesus saying, I've come for you all to call back history, not to be forgotten or bruised and band-aided, but to call covenant children and not covenant children from their broken past to me now in and out of ways that make it hard for you to come and trust him and give yourself and find compassion and forgiveness and healing. He is calling you as an adult that would come as a child. Or into your childhood, Jesus came to bring this kingdom of grace, a place of protection and healing, and someone seeing you. And you're not being left alone or left behind or left out because you are so emotionally, spiritually damaging. Like a child who cries in church, you're just too much to handle. Jesus saying, no, bring that to me. To be held by him, I pray in the life of the church, in the life of grace, in the word, in the sacrament, in community group, in our marriages, in our parenting, in our jobs, in our communities, in our worship. And in doing so, Jesus is not only for our childhood, but our childlikeness. Verse 18. Close on this one. No, not 18. That ain't right. There ain't 18. Verse 17. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter. The blessing Jesus gave that day was a familiar sign of fathers back then who would touch their children to convey the blessing of the family. The family inheritance. Jesus was given those children that day by touching them, and that was the gift of adoption, y'all. Jesus was saying, they're in my family. I bet the disciples were thinking, you sure got a lot of kids, Jesus. But it was a sign of adoption, of being redeemed to be God's children, by which the Bible says we cry, Abba, Father, a term that is almost like baby speech. It is literally a word like Dada or Baba. Jesus gives us the eternal gift of being God's little ones forever. Get this. 
yes, I love it. We will never outgrow that, and that is good news. Jesus is calling every single one of us to be children in his kingdom. Jesus is saying, like children, we adults must come as those who couldn't and can't, be care, can't care for or be trusted to care for ourselves, who can't be counted on to provide everything they need to grow up spiritually and emotionally and make it through this broken world, that we must realize, guess what? We are limited. We would have the same broken compassion for each other and ourselves that says we are easily manipulated and abused and abusive to ourselves and others and we'll be forgotten and we'll forget and be in the dark about God's love. If Jesus doesn't like a father or mother, grab us up and hold us and protect us and feed us like a mother or father. There is no shame in saying, I am as a child in this world and before the devil. I can't do it. I need you, Lord. I need you to just love me with a love that was already there. Unconditional love, like a perfect mother and a perfect father. You know what's the most unfair but gracious thing in the world? Kids' meals. That's right, kids' meals. Where kids eat free with an adult meal. I mean, we pay, and they get to eat for free, and it really stinks when your kids' appetites outgrow the kids' meals. I hate that. You know, you got a few dollars, you're thinking about your bank account, and you're like, how much for mine? Okay, kids' meals, free. And I look over at Harrison and Clark. You know, that one or two nuggets. And I have even thought about getting a kid's meal myself to save money. Y'all, <laughs> I'm too big for that. I'm too hungry for that. I mean, Jesus says, come as little children. He's declaring that he pays. And those who would be his children eat and live and grow free. They enjoy God's Full benefits free, but with one difference than a kid's meal. You always eat free as you and I can only be children of God. You can only come admitting and receiving because of what Jesus did when he lived, died, and rose that you are a child, but with one key difference because you will always and only be God's child, you and your problems and your appetite for love and justice and healing can never outgrow what God provides because his, is, his love is big and deep and wide and as hopeful as the eternal kingdom. But to get his free benefits of grace, you must come as a child. I need you, Lord. Redeem me in ways I can't. Give me grace and mercy I can't get. Such is the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. That we qualify for the free offer of your grace. And it's only free for children. Help us to be children. For those of us who have not experienced adoption. For those of us who are just grinning and gritting and bearing our childhood, brokenness, past. 
because we were done wrongly, abused, left behind. We know you don't reject us because of that. Call us and embrace us anew, Lord. Help us to come with a childlike faith. We need your touch. Help us as a church to care for our children. Whether we have kids or not, help us to be good aunts and uncles in this congregation. Because we're all adopted under Christ and in Christ. We pray this and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.